you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 186 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and on today's show, the A's made some additions to their roster during the Rule 5 draft, so let's find out about them. I know that I said that I was going to talk about some of the moves around the AL West today, but uh, the A's were way more active than I thought that they would be yesterday, and so I decided to devote today's show to actual A's news and roster moves, and I mean, slight roster moves, but you know, we, we know a couple of guys that will probably be in Oakland come opening day, uh, and maybe for the duration of the season, so we're going to deep dive into those guys today. And uh, go from there. I will push the uh, the AL West transactions to next week. Uh, I-, I would say Monday, but maybe the A's do something. Probably not. So we'll probably hear about the uh, what's been going down in the AL West on Monday. But it'll definitely be coming for you guys sometime next week. I just feel bad when I'm like, oh, this is what's coming up tomorrow. And then it doesn't happen because the A's did something. I'm, I'm leaving myself some editorial leeway on that one. Uh, also, the-, the Rangers signed David Dahl to a one-year, $3 million contract. So he's off the table for the A's, but maybe they found their lefty hitting outfielder uh, in the Rule 5 draft. I'll talk about him a little bit in the second segment of today's episode. So uh, let's get into today's episode, but before I do, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter, and if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So as I talked about yesterday, the Rule 5 draft was on Thursday, and the A's made two selections in the MLB portion of the draft, and another two selections in the minor league portion of the draft. The minor league portion is a little bit less significant only in the fact that the players that are selected are just part of the new club's farm system with no restrictions. They don't have to stay in AAA for the entire season for them to stick with the organization. So uh, yeah, the A's got a couple of guys in the minor league portion. So that's kind of fun. The first of those picks was uh, Zach Jackson, formerly of the Blue Jays. And then the second one was Brett Graves, who was drafted from the Marlins. I'm going to start off with Graves here, who is a 27-year-old righty that was originally drafted by the A's in the third round of the 2014 draft out of the University of Missouri. The Marlins drafted him away from the A's during the 2017 Rule 5 draft, which means that he saw some playing time with the Marlins in 2018 uh, as a big leaguer. So uh, in that big league time, Graves totaled 33 and a third innings with a 540 ERA and a 1.590 whip, which is walks and hits divided by innings pitched. His FIP was a whole lot better at 451, but he wasn't striking out a ton of guys with a 5.5 seven Ks per nine. But that K per nine rate went up significantly in 2019 when he returned to the minors and uh, Graves put up a 10.5 K per nine in 62 and a third innings, holding a 260 ERA between AA and AAA. So it looks as though at the very least, Graves should be able to handle AAA batters at this point and could prove to be a nice depth option for the team as they try to figure out who's going to be tossing innings for them in 2021. As for Zach Johnson, he will be 26 years old on Christmas Day and he has been with the Blue Jays since the 2016 draft. It looks as though Jackson has struggled with his command at times in the minors, posting a uh, walks per 
line of 5.2 in high A and then 7.4 in double A, but he has been moving up the minor league ladder each and every year. My guess is that is because this is a process over results kind of thing for the Blue Jays and how they uh, tend to promote guys. That's my guess, at least. I don't know enough about how they uh, go about promoting guys. In 2019 with AAA Buffalo, Jackson clipped that walk rate to four and a half, which is still pretty high, especially in the minors, but it, it went down, so that's good. That's a nice sign, at least. But as his walk rate dropped, so did his double-digit K per nine rate as well, but it did hold steady at around nine per nine, so one an inning over the course of a nine-inning game. Uh, he's another relief arm, but he totaled 68 innings in just 46 games and held a 397 ERA, and even with that walk rate, his ERA has never been above four in the minor leagues. So, there's something to him that I'm intrigued by. I don't know what it is yet because uh, the numbers aren't jumping out at me, but there's something about him that I'm like, ah, that, that, I, I like this guy. And the A's did get to see him in instructionals uh, it, after the season was held. Uh, so they, they got to feel confident about something that they saw from him in Blue Jays camp. So my rule of thumb here is typically if the A's take a pitcher, then there's something that they see that they can work with and help them reach that next level. And uh, sure, maybe that's clouding my judgment right now, but there, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but there's something there because that walk rate kind of high, but uh, you take that out, all of a sudden he's been a decent pitcher for the Blue Jays in their minor league system for a number of years now. So all in all, it's a couple of interesting lottery picks for the A's to add to their Vegas roster. But moving on to the major league portion of the draft, the A's took another righty and Danny Jimenez, and then they added left-handed outfielder Kai Tom. Uh, I, I hope that I'm saying that right. I have a tough time with uh, Hawaiian pronunciations, but I believe it's Kai Tom. Uh, his first name's Blaze, so I'm going to just call him Blaze for the duration of this podcast until I can find a pronunciation key on his uh, his Hawaiian name. But with all that said, I'm starting with Jimenez. <laughs> he is celebrating his birthday on December 23rd, and he will turn 27 on that date. He was a Rule 5 draftee of the Giants a year ago and only got into two games with San Francisco in 2020 before being offered back to the Blue Jays at the beginning of August. In those two games, Danny recorded four outs, allowing one run, one hit, and walked three. He also struck out one, and that one strikeout was against Mookie Betts in his big league debut. Uh, not Mookie Betts' debut. He's been around for a while, but Danny Jimenez's debut. He struck out Mookie Betts to end the inning. Good job on him. And all of those hits, runs, walks, everything that he allowed came in that first big league outing against the Dodgers, who happened to win the World Series in 2020. So uh, maybe they shouldn't have been judging him that harshly off of one poor performance. Uh, so with the where the Giants are, I don't know what they were doing on this one because uh, they were really quick to cut ties with him, especially in a shortened season where if he's showing you anything, you can keep him for two months and all of a sudden you got six years of control of this guy. I don't know why they cut him. Uh, again, I think that they saw something in him and uh, we're going to find out what it was, I assume, once spring training rolls around, whenever that is. Um, one worrisome stat is that his exit velocity was 94.1 against, but given that he gave up all of four batted balls, it's kind of hard to make anything of that. And there have been reports that he has a 98 mile an hour fastball, but according to the stat cast in his two appearances with the Giants, he was hit sitting more around 93 miles an hour with the fastball, topping out at 94. And he also has an 80 mile an hour curveball, which is is basically 
his pitch mix. It's two pitches, fastball, curveball. Uh, it's a curve or a slider. I've heard both. StatCast has it as a curveball. I'm going with StatCast on this one. And uh, he also has a cutter, which is what they call it. It could also be a changeup. Who's to say? Uh, which was mixed in less than 3% of the time or basically once in his 37 big league pitches. So uh, he's basically a two-pitch pitcher with those two offerings being uh, the curveball and curveball slash slider and the fastball uh, and in looking at his minor league numbers on baseball reference he hasn't pitched a whole ton above a ball tossing 25 and a third innings in high a and another 33 and two-thirds in double a in that double a stint walks weren't an issue for him sitting with 3.2 walks per nine to go along with a 12.3 strikeouts per nine so i i like that uh, that coupling of strikes and walkouts right there that is solid uh maybe he's a little bit more polished now that he's gotten a year he's gotten two games of big league experience so uh, uh, butterflies might not be an issue. Maybe he's ready to hit the ground running with another organization. Uh, we will see. I'm excited by the profile that he's putting forth uh, for me to look at, statistically at least. So uh, we'll see how that all transforms in 2021. And uh, I, I'm not the go-to guy for super deep analytical think pieces, but my guess with what the AC and Jimenez is that they feel like with a couple of little mechanical tweaks, they could make him extremely effective, which is basically what they said according to The Athletic. But uh, my thought is a little bit more specific than and couple of little tweaks. I think that they want him to repeat his mechanics flawlessly. And again, that's not like a big mind-blowing observation. I, I think that every pitching coach wants their pitcher to repeat their mechanics flawlessly. But to have the same release point each and every time out because of his fastball-curveball combination, then I think that would create a lot of timing issues for opposing batters. And if you're from unfamiliar with the concept of tunneling, it's basically when a pitcher has the same release point so that the hitter is looking for the ball out of the hand and they each pitch travels along the same path towards the plate and then at some certain point as it gets closer to home plate they just diverge in different directions and so for Jimenez it sounds like he can go high fastball and that would be one tunnel that they could go with and then the curveball that kind of digs down a little bit and at that point the batter is just guessing at which pitch that they're going to be swinging at because uh they, they, they're not going to have enough reaction time to get to that high fastball and they might not be sitting on the curveball. So there's a, it, it's an interesting concept. I'm not sure if the A's are actually using this at this point. I assume that they are because they are very good with uh, pitching and whatnot. But uh, basically, if you're looking for a visual rep representation of this, uh, there's a couple of spots that you can check out stuff. I don't know if it's labeled as tunneling, but but if you follow the Pitching Ninja on Twitter, uh, you've seen some of these and I've seen them do it on MLB Network as well. And it's those highlights that they show you that have two videos overlapped and one pitch will go straight, and then the other one will dart to the side or something like that. Uh, they, they used to do it with uh, Blake Trinan and his sinker that would just dart. I don't even know if he knew where it was going, but uh, that thing was wicked, and I don't know how anybody ever made contact with that pitch, let alone got hits with it. Um, so coming from a non-expert, though, if a batter is expecting a high fastball and he sees the pitch start up in the zone, he's likely excited about crushing this meatball, but then all of a sudden, Jimenez's curve darts down into the zone, and either way, the batter is screwed. The best he can do is foul it off. Um, and I think that that's kind of what the A's will be building upon with Danny Jimenez. Uh, I think that that would be the quickest way to make Jimenez into an effective enough big leaguer to stay on the Oakland roster throughout the course of the entire season. The next step would be to have him add a third pitch to the mix to make that guessing game even more difficult. But I'm not sure that the A's coaches are going to have enough time with him to work on that in spring training and during the offseason. There's a little bit of offseason that they got left. Um, and I'm sure that the A's coaches have a lot of more in-depth uh, plans for him, but that's my guess coming from the outside. Um, I, I'm excited to see what Danny Jimenez has with the A's because there's there's going to be something there. And I like this uh, this this mix that they got going here. I assume that they're instituting tunnels with him uh, to 
make it harder to pick up his pitches, even though he's not hiding the ball. He's not terribly deceptive with his delivery, according to my untrained eyes. Um, yeah, but if he, if he can push that heater up to 98 and then he's got an 80 mile an hour curveball, that is a big difference. And uh, I mean, obviously you can sit on one of those, but if you get Sean Murphy back there, who's kind of a tactician behind the plate, I think that he can uh, he can do some good things with the A's in 2021. So I'm excited to see what he has uh, going on Two outings with the Giants at the beginning of the 2020 season. So um, we'll, we'll see what he has. But coming up on the show, I have one more Rule 5 draft pick to talk about. So stay locked in with Locked On Aids, and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right. We are talking about Built Bar, my friends. And the improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors, like orange. Ah, I snuck it in there for you guys. Haha. <laughs> they also have salted caramel, double chocolate, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. They have so many different flavors. Go check them all out. Uh, they're also all covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and all of their bars are built for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Their bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on that is one word locked on and you will get 20% off your next order use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. Uh, leave us a rating and review if you do, please. Those are very much appreciated. They help us out on the charts. They help us with the sponsors. They help us do so many different things. So a uh, couple of minutes of your time, very much appreciated by me. I also love reading them because uh, they're very nice. I, I like feeling nice about myself. <laughs> um, uh, also, make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to Locked On Athletic at gmail.com. Also, just a quick reminder, next week I'm going over some of the moves that the uh, other teams in the AL West have made this offseason. So we're just doing a seeing where everybody else is right now. Have the A's lost ground? Have they not? Have they actually gained ground somehow? <laughs> That'd be weird. Uh, and also, maybe. Uh, haven't finished that one yet, but maybe. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's, uh, that's all for next week for you guys. But let's get back to the Rule 5 draft. The final selection I'm getting to was actually the A's first pick of the Rule 5 draft, and that is Ka'ai Tom. Uh, we're calling him Blaze. Blaze Tom, <laughs> which is just an amazing name. And I am sorry to Vimeyal Machin, but I have a new favorite Rule 5 pick based on that name alone. And uh, Tom is a 26-year-old outfielder from Hawaii that was selected by Cleveland in the fifth round of the 2015 draft. He is five foot nine, and Tom's size has held him back a little bit on prospect lifts and even kept him from being added to Cleveland's alternate site this summer, even though they have notoriously bad outfield depth. They had nobody that could play outfield for them that was, you know, quote unquote good. Uh, they were making trades for outfielders. They had this guy sitting, and they were like, yeah, yeah, don't come to the alternate site. We don't need you. You're five foot nine, I guess. I don't know. So uh, the A's, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm intrigued by this guy quite a bit. Didn't know who he was until yesterday. But after a little bit of research, I am on board because at every stop along the way in the minors, Tom has hit. In 2019, at stops in both AA and AAA, Tom had double-digit walk rates, and across five minor league seasons, he has an on-base percentage of 360, including a 370 on-base in AAA. So... 
that's solid for me. Uh, there's more to it, obviously. His time at the highest level of the minors hasn't been extensive with just 211 plate appearances, but he hit 298 with a 370 on base and a uh, OPS of 933. He also tallied 28 extra base hits in 188 at-bats. So those little things... That, that's a decent amount of production in a little bit of time, especially when you're making the jump to AAA. On yesterday's pod, I said that the A's were looking like they were going to be uh, cheap and also wanted a left-handed hitting outfielder. And well, this checks all of the boxes because he is not going to cost them very much at all. And once the A's made this selection, I knew that the writing was on the wall that they were not going to be getting David Dahl by any stretch because, uh, yeah, he cost $3 million apparently, which is a steal, I think, for David Dahl if he can play a full season. But uh, I'm also excited about Blaze Tom, to be honest. So uh, maybe the A's struck gold with this one again without having to spend money. So uh, whatever they're paying the front office guys, pay them more because they're also doing well. Pay everybody more and make John Fisher make less money. That is my mandate for 2021. Pay the players, pay everybody, pay the fans more. Uh, John Fisher gets less money. But getting back to the on-the-field product here, and uh, this isn't meant to be a knock against Tom at all, the, the whole he's a cheaper option than David All or anything like that. Uh, I'm actually feeling really good about the addition, and adding a player that they'd have team control over for six years if he sticks around could be a big deal if he pans out. The only caveat here with both Tom and Jimenez is they have to stay on the A's 26-man roster throughout the course of the 2021 season, barring injury, or be offered back to their previous clubs. So if they can stay on the roster for the entire season, like Vimeo Machin, which, I mean, shortened season, but you know, sure, and uh, Mark Canna have done, then they would become part of the Oakland A's organization. And uh, that's something that could pay off for the A's, not just in 2021, but also in future seasons as well, as they develop a little bit more. And just to get a little bit ahead of ourselves, typically I'd say that the player coming over in their Rule 5 draft would definitely be getting playing time for the A's, but with so many outfield options to consider, including Dustin Fowler, Buddy Reed, Greg Diekman, uh, Luis Barrera, and Sky Bolt, I decided to look at the options each player has remaining, which basically means once you're out of options, you have zero options remaining, then you are uh, put onto waivers before you can return to the minor leagues. So if uh, if a player has zero options, then the A's would, you know, like with uh, Franklin Barreto and the, the middle infielder cluster that the A's had this year, you have to choose which one you want. You you can try and trade one of them before you have to send them down to the minors if they're not going to make your major league team. But uh, that is something to consider with these other outfield options. So I wanted to see who is out of options, who has options remaining. How could that come into play for the uh, spring training battles with Blaze Tom and, you know, everybody else, I guess. So it turns out that Tom should have an easy road to the roster, given that he has like even just an OK spring should do it for him. Uh, the only player that is out of options, according to roster resource over at Fangraphs is Dustin Fowler. And I don't think that Fowler's necessarily in that first tier of outfield options. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with Fowler, honestly, because he's got a couple of hundred plate appearances with Oakland back in 2018. Uh, he wasn't great. And upon returning to AAA, his numbers lagged a little bit with his strikeout rate increasing and his WRC plus dropping by 30 points over his previous AAA uh, performances. He could be a very easy change of scenery candidate that was just bored at the AAA level because his AAA numbers in 2018 with the A's were similar to what he put up with the Yankees in 2017 before his injury. So it appears as though it's not injury related. And my guess is that he just needs another challenge. And I don't know that the A's are going to be a team that can offer him that challenge. So does that mean that he's a viable trade piece? Without having a hot spring, it's hard to see the A's getting a ton for him, even though he's a former, uh, 
former top prospect. He's still just 25. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a team like the Giants could be a very nice fit for him, at least as a fourth outfielder with room to move into a starting role. So uh, that, that's going to be for another podcast, because I think that Dustin Fowler, it's going to be interesting to see how the A's approach him uh, in the coming months. Is, is he going to make it to spring training? Are they going to let him play in spring training, try and build up some of that trade value before they, I mean, arguably subject him to waivers and lose him for nothing? Or are they going to try and trade him at the end of spring? We shall see. Uh, next week, again, I'm talking about the moves that the rest of the AL West has made this offseason. So be on the lookout for that. But that is it for me today, you guys. So until next time, stay indoors, celebrate good times, Oakland, keep wearing those masks, and I'll talk to you guys next week.